Thanks for listening to The Awakening Podcast. We hope this message inspires and encourages you today. Today I want to talk to you about how to be fruitful. I'm actually bringing the uh, special series that we've been in, Am I Okay, back for one last special edition uh, talk. I thought it was over, but I feel like God's been speaking to me about this, and I feel this is really going to wrap up the subject of inner health. And, and through this, we've been talking about all, a lot of the difficult and trying circumstances that we go through in life and what it does on the inside of us and, and what it does to our mind and our heart and our, on our inner self. And, and we've been talking about the fact that God wants us to have health on the outside and on the inside. And I feel like this is really going to wrap up uh, kind of this collection, this series of talks with, with the subject of fruitfulness. What does it look like to live a fruitful life? How do you have fruitfulness come out of your actions and your reactions and your, your speech and, and, and your talk? Because, because here's what you need to know. Living a fruitful life matters to God. God wants for you to live a fruitful life. He doesn't want for you to live a dried up, dreary, down existence. He wants there to be fruitfulness that comes out of you. He wants it to be on your face. He wants it to be in your mind. He wants it to come out of your heart. He wants you to live a fruitful life. And maybe there's a myth or a lie that has come in that says God is against fun. He's, he's the no fun God. He's against joy. But can I tell you, God created joy. He created happiness. He created exuberance. He created excitement. Not so that we would abstain from it, but that we'd be able to embrace it and begin to have a wellspring of joy come out of the inside of us. God wants for you to live a fruitful and fulfilling life. He's for you, he loves you, and he wants you to be fruitful. In fact, one of the first commands God ever gives humanity one of the first commands he ever gives his children, we find in Genesis chapter 1, verse 28. We're only 28 verses into the Bible, and here we see that the Bible says God blessed them. I want you to know God does not curse you today. God is not angry at you today. God is not against you today. God blesses you today. He for you today. His hand is on your home today. God blessed them, and then he gave them this command, be fruitful and multiply. One of the first commands of God is that we would go out and begin to live fruitful lives and that our legacy, our children and children's children would have fruitful lives. And I think it's pretty amazing that God adds, adds these things together because he doesn't want you to just multiply. He wants you to be fruitful. He doesn't want you to just multiply. He wants you to be fruitful because, listen, anyone can have a lot of kids, but God wants you to become a father. God wants you to become a mother. God wants to build character into your life. God wants to, 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 to uh, create a legacy in you and of you. So God doesn't say just go out there and multiply. He says before you multiply, you need to get fruitful. I want you to get healthy. I want you to get character. I want you to get the fruits of the Holy Spirit, love, joy, peace in you. And then you can go out and you can multiply. And I think it's so amazing that God connects this. God connects these things together. He's saying be fruitful and multiply, and then he says, and then take over the whole earth. I want you to know God wants for you to conquer. God wants you to take over. God wants for you to have authority. You don't agree with that part, just the blessing part. God wants you to have responsibility. I really do think God is not against your business. He's not against your ideas. He's not against your work. No, he wants to bless it, and he wants you to have a sense of accomplishment, which I believe is connected 
to this uh, command to be fruitful. It's one of the very first things that God commands. And then Jesus speaks on fruitfulness over and over. In fact, you know, we know Jesus is a carpenter, but the amount of times that he uses agricultural illustrations is mind-blowing. You'd almost think he is a farmer. All he talks about is good fruit and good harvest over and over and over. And, and what Jesus is speaking to is this, this first command that God said. And in the verse we read earlier in Matthew uh, 7, Jesus is speaking about how to have a fruitful life and bear good fruit. And he's, he's teaching on fruitfulness, but then he pivots and he, he tells this, this parable or this narrative about people that were unfruitful in their lives. And he, he brings us into heaven and shows us this scene in Matthew 7, 21. And Jesus will say, when uh, people have arrived at the gates of heaven, many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? Did we not drive out demons? And in your name, did we not perform many miracles? But then Jesus will say, then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of iniquity, you evildoers. You know, I was reading this the other day, and I, I, I've known this verse my whole life. And it's always, to be honest, always scared me. But, but I never read it in the context of fruitfulness. That right before this, Jesus is talking about fruitful trees and unfruitful trees. And in the exact same sentence, in the exact same idea, he connects heaven and this scene in heaven to our fruitfulness. This is taking place in the context of a fruitful life. And, 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 and I'm telling you, when I read this, it blew me away. And it, it scared me because my reaction is, if this isn't fruit, what is good fruit? Look, like Jesus said, they said, Jesus, we called you Lord, Lord. They knew who he was. Out of their lips, they said, Lord. And they said, we prophesied in the name of Jesus. We cast out demons and we performed miracles. So they had authority in their speech. They had authority in, in the supernatural and they were performing wonders and works and miracles. How many people are just doing miracles on the way to church today? Come on, this, this is unbelievable. These people are the ones that in my matrix of measurement would be bearing good fruit. In fact, if I looked at someone that prophesied, drove out demons, and perform many miracles, that person, in my opinion, would be super healthy. They would be the one that I would want my life to be like. Come on, look at that kind of fruit. Look at how they preach. Look at how they pray. Look at the authority. When they walk into the room, demons are trembling. That's gotta be good fruit. But yet Jesus says, don't even come near me. He says, because I never knew you. So it blew me away because I guess that was my whole measurement for fruitful people and fruitful churches. When I would go to other, visit other churches, that's what I would be looking for. Where's the authority? Come on, where's the miracles? Where's the wonders? And yet God is saying these things are good, but they're not necessarily good fruit. Isn't that wild? I don't know about you, but this scared me. And I began to think about it and I began to ask God, if this isn't good fruit, then what is good fruit? What is good fruit? What on earth could I do that could be more fruitful than that? I guess I have to reorient what a successful Christian life even looks like. I've got to reorient some things. And, and I was wrestling with this for quite a few weeks. 
because my whole measurement of, of fruitfulness was turned upside down. And I was thinking about it, praying about it, speaking to my wife. And, and when Pastor Jude came, I, I asked him, I said, Pastor Jude, what, what do you think about this? You know, how could this not be good fruit? And he said, well, say the three things again. They prophesied, they had authority over the spiritual realms, and they performed many miracles. He said, Jordan, that's not fruit, that's gifts. Those three things are supernatural gifts, but they're not necessarily a fruitful life. And, and, and God gives the gifts out. The gifts of God are without a pre- or a repentance. He gives them to you, and he says they are yours. You can use them as you are. You know, you can use God's good gifts for evil. You can use God's good gifts to lift up yourself. See, the reality was these things aren't bad, but they are bad if you don't know the one that gives you the gifts in the first place. If you're not giving honor to the one. And so I guess this has started a, a conversation in my life uh, with my wife and, and our staff and, and my friends on what is good fruit because I don't want to get to heaven and say, Lord, Lord, I preached and we had good sermons and we dedicated babies and they were so cute and we baptized, we did all these great things, but God said, but you didn't know me because see, that's the only thing that matters is being known by God. It's not even good enough if I know of God. Jesus is Lord, Lord. Jesus is saying, yeah, yeah, you know of me, but you have to know me. And more than that, I have to know you. So that's the goal. And that's, I think, where good fruit begins. And, and to be honest, I'm, I, I, I don't know if I want to fully just answer the question for you. By the end of the sermon, you're going to know the, the 12 steps to good fruit. That, that's not what I'm going to do. It'd be good, but it's not what I'm going to do. I feel like this is a conversation that I want to begin with you. And I believe, I want this to be a conversation you begin with God. Because what's good fruit in your context? What's good fruit in your life? What does a fruitful life look like for you and your children and your family? What's it going to look like? Because as every seat, there, as every person there is, there's different fruit for every single person in this place. And you've got to be able to be fruitful in, in your calling, fruitful in your life. And, and, and in order to do that, you've got to be who God created you to be. I guess what I'm saying is this is more a conversation initiation that you need to have with God is what is good fruit and what is fruitfulness? in your life. And I, and, and I think that we have to begin, we got to begin with Jesus. If we're trying to figure out what is good fruit, we have to begin with Jesus. You know, the Bible says Jesus is the first fruits of all of creation. And other, in other words, any other fruit, it's got to come from him. It's got to come from his line and his lineage. He's the model. He is the example. He is the teacher. He is the leader. So if I'm asking what is good fruit and how do I produce it, first and foremost, we have got to go to Jesus. He is the initiating point of anything that's going to, to be lasting from our lives. And, and, and I guess what I'm saying is I, I pray as I speak that you begin to have a conversation with God, saying, what is good fruit for me? And what are you speaking to me? And where am I at right now? Because that's the goal. That's the goal, is that you begin to have a real conversation with God. What is good fruit in my life? We've got to begin with Jesus, first and foremost, we got to begin with Jesus, and Jesus, Jesus helps us along with this, and he, he begins to unveil the answer in John 15, verse 5. Jesus says, I'm the vine, and you're the branches. In other words, I'm the point, I'm the strength, I'm the beginning, I'm the end. I'm the vine, and you're the branches, but if you remain in me, and I in you, you will bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. Apart from me, 
You can do nothing. In other words, the more I get connected to Jesus, the more fruit I'm going to bear in my life. The closer I get to Jesus, the more connected I get to Jesus, the more my life begins to be fruitful. And I think it's a process, and I think there's seasons, but I think faith and faithfulness leads to fruitfulness. Faith leads to fruit, and faithfulness leads to fruitfulness. I've got to go to Jesus. And, and I love that Jesus gives me a warning. He says, look, I'm, I'm the one. And if you want to bear fruit, you got to be near me. you got to be close to me. you got to remain in me. you got to be in my core. you got to be in my crew. You have to uh, keep my words first and foremost. But he says this, and, but by the way, if you do remove yourself from me, you're not going to do anything. He says, apart from me, you can do nothing. You say, well, but God, I, I bought a new car and I built a great business. And God's saying, in the scope of eternity, it's nothing. It's dust and it's, it's ash. It's nothing. But God is saying, if you want to do something eternal, if you want to have a reward, if you want something to resonate in heaven, if you want something to last, it has got to be connected to Jesus. The only fruit that ends up mattering, the only fruit that ends up remaining is the fruit that comes from your connection to Jesus Christ. When you begin to connect from him, he begins to change you from the inside out and he begins to produce out of you things that you could not produce on your own. Without him, nothing you do will count. The reality is I, I, I need to know more than, we need to know more than his name. We need to know him. And, and even more than knowing him, honestly, he needs to know us. Not everyone that says, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. In other words, it's not just me saying, Lord, I need Jesus to know me. I need a real, actual relationship with Jesus Christ so that my life will begin to be effective and fruitful. And so I I think this is one one of the keys to having a fruitful life is a desire to know Jesus and more than that, a desire to be used by God. Do you have a desire to be used by God? Say, God, produce something in my life. Give me opportunities. Bring me to the right places. I think this is one of the keys is the desire to be used by God. Because, I, I, again, I, I, I know God's good, and he's going to bless you, and that's awesome. But that's the first step. The next step is now, God, you've loved me. You're for me. You've blessed me. Now use me for you. May the fruit of your life be a form of evangelism towards Jesus Christ. The key is to be used by God. And let me just challenge you. If, if you want to be used by God, pray this prayer. Lord, use me. I'm telling you, it's a powerful prayer. It's the most powerful prayer you could ever pray. Lord, use me. And you might hear the enemy say, well, what about, what about, what about? Lord, use me. Oh, what do they think? And what about what, they, what you did too last Tuesday? Lord, use me. When you pray that prayer, I'm telling you, it gets heaven's attention. It gets heaven's attention. And, and you, you might think everyone's praying that prayer, but I think the, uh, the reality is very few people are praying that prayer. I think a lot of people are praying the prayer, Lord, give me. But I think very few are praying the prayer, Lord, use me. And when you begin to pray that prayer, I'm telling you, it gets heaven's attention. All the radar dishes of heaven begin to ping that signal because something is happening where someone understands I want to get connected to Jesus, close to Jesus, and I want to have the overflow of my life present Jesus. I'm telling you, that's a powerful prayer. Lord, use me. When you pray that, things begin to happen because there's just something about availability. 
There's just something so powerful about it. And, you know, as we said last week, you don't have to have ability. You just have to have availability. I, I, one of the things that, that I like to do, I play fantasy football. Do you guys have anybody here playing fantasy football? We've got quite a few people. It's good. Maybe we should start a church-wide league next year or something. It's amazing. Um, I'm, I'm, the, uh, I'm the reigning champ right now, you know, and, um, <laughs> and, and it's been a lot of fun. You know, one of, the, one of the things I like about fantasy football is what, what they'll say is you don't win during the draft. You win on the waiver wire. In other words, every week you got to see who, who's showing up, you know, who's performing. And if you see a player that is available and has potential, what you do is you put them on your watch list. And every week you go back and say, how's this guy doing? How, how many yards did he get? You know, did he get a touchdown? And if this guy begins to perform consistently every week, you put him in your lineup. I, I hope that you get on God's watch list. I hope you say, I'm available and God, I got potential. Lord, use me. Bing, you're on God's watch list. And then all of a sudden, God's going to look every week. How are they doing? Well, they're, they're still praying. Look at this. They prayed three times this week. All right. Look, they're reading. They're reading. Look, they're going to crew. Look, they're going to church every single week. All of a sudden, God begins to see something in you. You're getting closer to Jesus. You're getting closer to Jesus. You're getting around Jesus' people. And let me tell you, when God sees that, he's going to put you in the lineup. You're going to say, Lord, use me. He's going to say, all right, let me see. One week, two weeks, all right, you're getting in the lineup. God's going to put you on your fantasy team is my point. And he's going to say, let's see what you do, because God is looking for someone to join his team that's going to go out there, is going to show up, is going to perform, is going to show Jesus to the world, is going to let their good works begin to overflow and point to Jesus in heaven. When you say, Lord, use me, get ready, because God's going to put you on his watch list and I pray that he's going to give you a shot. And when he does, I pray that it, it exposes God's glory in you, through you, into the world. Can you say amen? Amen. Look, let, let me show you this verse that Jesus says. Jesus reminds us. He says, by the way, you didn't choose me. He says, I chose you. Just if you ever feel like, um, like you're unworthy, God's got to remind you, you, you never were worthy. You didn't choose me. I chose you. And I appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide. One of the words here is remain. In other words, that you'll have fruit that lasts forever, fruit that, that, that doesn't fade, fruit that isn't here today and gone tomorrow, but that you have fruit that actually matters, that remains so that whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he may give it to you. God's saying, pray this prayer. Say, God, I'm here. You chose me. You appointed me. Use me, Lord. Use me, Lord, and whatever you ask in my name, God says, I'm going to resource you for the journey ahead. How good, how good is God that he wants to be with us and he wants to use us and he wants to make our lives fruitful? So I guess one of the questions I would ask is, is right now, if you could take a moment and kind of check yourself and check your heart, what kind of fruit are you currently producing in your life? What, 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 what are the actions and the reactions? What's on the inside that's beginning to come out? In Matthew 7, it says this. It says, likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. In other words, what's on the inside eventually gets on the outside. God's beginning to say, look, the fruit of your life, it really comes from what's going on in the root of your life. The point is, your works are really the harvest of your life. And what's in you eventually is going to be revealed through you. Here's the reality. You can't hide your heart. You can't hide it from God. But to be honest, you can't even hide it from your boss. You can't hide it from your coworkers. You can't hide it 
You ever mad? Be, you ever, have you ever been mad at your spouse but try and hide it? Right? It doesn't work. It's like it takes 17 seconds. They open the kitchen door. Are you mad at me? Something going on? There's something that when things get in the heart, eventually the fruit comes out. Fruit comes out. And what, what, what Jesus is saying here is what kind of root system do you have on the inside? Because if the heart is unhealthy, eventually the overflow, the speech, the attitudes, the actions of your life is going to be unhealthy also. But, but if, if you're beginning to be more healthy, eventually health is going to begin to come out. And so what God's saying is let's go deeper. Let's go to the root system here and figure out. Let's have a heart check. Let's look at the fruit and recognize the root. What is going on on the inside? And, and can I tell you, a lot of times, you find out what's going on, on the inside by what comes out when you didn't mean it to, right? What comes out when you think no one else is around? The reality is a lot of times the root is exposed, right? What's inside is exposed uh, by what happens when you, when you lose it a lot of times, you know? Like you see, you see it when you lose it. And, and, and I don't know what you, you flip out, you say something, you, you regret, you punch a wall. I don't know what it is when you lose it, but, but something comes out and then people will say, I don't even know where that came from. You ever hear that? I, I don't even, they say, that wasn't me. It's like, no, it, it def, I was right here. That was you. It wasn't anybody else. No, 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 but that's not the real me. Well, I, I, that seemed like the real fist. I don't know what to tell you. I would say, well, I'm so sorry. I overreacted. Or, or, or that, that, that's not normally how I'm like. No, I know it's not normally how, you, how, you, how you're like because you can hide a whole lot, but something popped out. It was like a supernatural belch. The truth came out. What'd you just say? What happened? The fruit came out. You're trying to pretend it wasn't there, but all of a sudden here comes the rotten fruit. And you say, oh, I didn't get a lot of sleep. Like nobody's got a lot of sleep. It's not a good excuse. <laughs> no one slept for years out here. No, there's something wrong in the root. And, and, and we only see it when our guard is low enough that something pops out. A lot of times it happens at home. A lot, of, a lot of times it happens with the people you're most comfortable with. They get to see the real you. And, that, and, and, and sometimes I think the Holy Spirit lets it happen. In fact, I think even the Holy Spirit initiates some events to get the fruit out. He initiates some events to get the fruit out. And then God says, we got to deal with that. Those are some rotten apples you got. We got to deal with that. Something's wrong. And, and I guess my challenge to you is, is to not excuse it. Well, I'm not normally like that. Well, I can't believe it. Well, that's not who I am. But don't excuse it. My challenge would be to investigate it. When something begins to happen, when something comes out, don't excuse it. Ah, oh, it's no big deal. No, no, it is a big deal. Well, it's only a one-time thing. Yeah, but it, it was the real you for a moment. Don't excuse it. Investigate it. Say, why did that happen? Why did I say that? Why did I allow myself to go there? Because the reality is a sick root eventually shows its fruit. So, so I, I don't want to say, oh, the fruit's no big deal. No, there's something sick in my spirit. And here's the good, goodness of God. God's not judging you for it. God's exposing it so that he can begin to work on it. So that's why I'm saying begin to investigate it. How do, you, how do you do that? Number one, don't buy your own excuses. No one else does anyways, so let's just jump there. But number two, can I say this? Ask the Holy Spirit. Say, Holy Spirit, what was that? You know what's on the inside of me. You know my heart. You know my intentions. What was that? Why did I say that? 
Maybe you begin to open scripture and say, I gotta read because I gotta find something. Did someone else in scripture do something like that? I gotta read about them. What were the circumstances that led up to that? Here's a really scary thing if you wanna do this, if you're gonna investigate what got exposed. Um, ask a faithful friend around you what they see. Hey, when that happened, did I overreact? Did I go too far? Hey, did I hurt you? Did I hurt you? Did, do you think I hurt that person? You know why we don't ask those questions? Because it's, it sometimes feels easier to avoid the truth than face the truth. But you can never fix what you won't face. And that thing came out for God to say, there's something rotten. And it's not just the fruit, it's the root. So let's go deeper. And you need a faithful friend to say, hey, will you, will you be honest with me? Will you be honest with me? Now, you can't hold this against them three weeks from now. Will you be honest with me? And maybe you just say, will you pray with me over this thing? Hey, will you fast with me over this thing? Will you, will you, will you read you know, a portion of scripture with me over this thing? But I've got to let the Holy Spirit, I've got to open this thing up to let the Holy Spirit begin to, to change me and rearrange me. Let, let me put it this way. You have to allow the process of pruning. You have to allow the process of pruning. Let me show you this verse in, in, in John 15. He, the Bible says that God, he cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that, so that it will be even more fruitful. Isn't that awesome? Look, the promise and the goal of God is that you're more fruitful. He doesn't want to cut you off and say, too bad, you're a loser now, you'll never produce again, you're barren, you got nothing, go over there. No, God says, no, I'm going to cut this thing away so that there's more health, so that there'll be more fruit in your attitude. There'll be more fruit in your life. There'll be more fruit in your home. There'll be more fruit in your job, which is so cool. So I, I, I guess what I'm saying is, yes, it will be painful. The process of pruning is definitely always painful, but embrace that. And, and here's my challenge to you. Stay open in the pruning. Don't harden up. Don't close up to God. Don't close up to the people around you. Stay open because even though it's painful for a moment, he's stripping off the layers in you that are keeping you from the fruitful life that you want to have, from the fruitful imagination, ideas, hearts, emotions. You want to have healthy emotions, and yet you won't allow God to bring some healing to the inside. You need to open up and say, Lord, I need some deep healing so that healing can flow into my heart, my mind, my emotions, and my moods. Some people need to say amen. I, I, I think this is such a powerful aspect is that you have to stay open to God even when it hurts, even when it hurts. And, and look, I know sometimes our, our instant reaction is to close up and just move on. Let our heart get hard, no big deal, sweep it under the rug, we move on. And, and sometimes this is in our family. Hey, in our family, we don't make a big deal out of things. In our family, we just move on. Come on, we're soldiers. In our family, we don't talk about it, we just move on. Come on, sit down, eat your pasta. Let's, let's go, let's move on. And, and, and can I tell you, sometimes you're even in a culture, a culture that despises pruning. And you don't even know it. You just grew up in, hey, we don't talk about it. We sweep it under the rug. We bury it deeper. But, all, but here's the problem with unhealth. It doesn't matter how deep you bury it. It remains unhealthy. Unhealth on the inside is like lava, that it could be simmering underneath for a while, but eventually the volcano is going to blow. Eventually, the volcano is going to blow. And, and so I, I guess what I'm saying is a healthy culture is open to the Holy Spirit. It's open to faithful friends. It's open to the rebuke of a friend. It's open to change. An unhealthy culture says don't talk about it. 
An unhealthy culture says that's not for them to know. An unhealthy culture says, don't you dare. An unhealthy culture says, just move on. That's an unhealthy culture. You might be saying, oh my goodness, that's what I grew up in. Maybe you did, but God's got a good community. He's got a good family. He's got good crews. He's got his faithful spirit. He's got great people around you to help you through. To help you through. Don't protect the things that are killing you. Don't hide the things that are trying to harm you. Sometimes people say, well, that's just the way I am. That's just the way I am, you know? Sometimes we don't even say it positively, you know, like we're proud of it. A lot of times it's like in defeat. It's just the way I am. What can I do about it? How my mom was, how my dad was, it's just the way I am. But here's the reality. The more you buy that lie, the more that lie gets power. It's just the way I am then that's just the way you'll ever be. You put a ceiling on yourself. And that ceiling is totally based on your past and your brokenness. It's just the way I am. No, God wants to make you more than you are. More than a conqueror. He wants to bring healing. He wants to bring hope. He wants to be changed. He wants to bring change. And can I tell you this? Can I, can I, can I, can I speak this into your spirit? You can change. Your habits can change, your mindsets can change, your emotions can change. You are able to change. God is powerful enough not just to save you, but to change you. Sometimes we believe he can save us, but he can't change us. No, the blood of Jesus Christ not only saves the sinner, it justifies the sinner and sanctifies the sinner. You move from sinner to saint. That's a process of change. I know you started out Saul, but you're going to end up as Paul. God can change you if you will allow it. Don't buy into the lie. That's just the way I am, just the way I was raised. Forget all that. I am a new creation in Christ Jesus. Behold, the old is gone. The new has come. He makes all things new, and that includes you. So God's promise is that through the pruning that he'll produce things. He, he only removes things to add, add more to you. And his goal is that you'll be more fruitful than ever before. So I just want to... I want to encourage you, you know, and I don't want to just talk all about the negative because through this process, God begins to heal you. And it's amazing. And I've, I've, I've heard this from so many people where they say, I've been coming to church for six months. I've been coming for a year. I went to crew. I went through movement course. And, and they'll say, just things are, are changing in me that I, I never thought would change. See, healing brings a harvest from places that used to just be dead. Healing brings a harvest. And sometimes it will surprise you. Sometimes it will surprise you. Someone cuts you off and you go to curse them out and you don't want to. And you say, that's not me. That's a harvest, baby. You're getting changed. You feel compassion for someone. You say, I don't know this feeling. Is this love? It's like when the Grinch's heart starts growing. Hey, what is this? <laughs> this is emotions, you know. <laughs> What's happening? God's bringing a harvest. Healing brings a harvest to, to places that used to be stagnant abandoned and dead. That's God's goal in your life. What's he saying? Remain in me and I'll remain in you and I'll bring you into a place where all of a sudden you begin to produce fruitfulness so that your production will point to him. Your production will point to him. Your fruit will become a form of evangelism. John 15, 8 says this. He says, this is to my father's glory that you will bear much fruit showing yourselves 
to be my disciples. In other words, the fruitfulness will, number one, bring God's glory and reveal on earth, that's a Jesus person. That's a Jesus person. How can I tell? Is it from their prophecy? Is it from their preaching? Is it from their miracles? No, no, no. It's from the fruit of their life. Come on, look at their family. Look at their reactions. Look at their attitude. Look at their generosity. Look at their love. It's a harvest that's beginning to bring glory to God and proving that you're a disciple of Jesus Christ. The goal is that a fruitful life begins to point to Jesus Christ. We're in a church that is 30 years old. Multiple buildings, multiple locations. It's launched other churches around the region and, and multiple name changes. Just so much change has happened over the last 31 years. But what did it start with? It started with some faithful people. It started with a small group of faithful people. But as they remained faithful, all of a sudden they became fruitful. And I'm thankful for our founding pastors, Pastor Steve and Nancy, for 31 years. Can I tell you this? Sometimes fruitfulness doesn't come overnight. There's a season, there's a time, and God's planting a seed in your life. And you might say, well, it doesn't look like there's a harvest yet. Stay faithful in the planting. Stay faithful in the breaking up of the ground. Stay faithful in the rain. Stay faithful in these moments because God's going to bring a harvest. He's going to change the inside. He's going to bring something more from you. They could have ever imagined if you would have told Pastor Steve 31 years ago that in New England, thousands of people would gather every single Sunday at a church that he, had, that he made and many other churches that were launched from this church. Pastor Steve would say, man, I just want 65 people to come to church. We had 62. It'd be great if 65 came. But God has a greater harvest in mind for your life than you would ever have in mind for yourself. His goal is fruitfulness from your faithfulness. And, and you might be saying, well, I don't have a pulpit and I can't start a church. But can I tell you, there's more fruitfulness than just preaching and prophesying. Obviously, there's more fruitfulness that can come for your life. And it's going to be so specific to you. What do you have? God asked Moses, what's that in your hand? Moses says, it's a stick. God says, I'll, I'll roll with that. Let's go change the world. An inanimate stick object. It's going to become like Thor's hammer. Let's go. What's God trying to prove? He's saying, I'll use anybody. I'll use anything. Well, what do you have? Because it's not just a, a pulpit that brings fruitfulness. It's faithfulness. Maybe God's giving you a home that can gather some people. Maybe he's giving you an apartment that you can have a party at or you can have a crew at just for somebody else that maybe, maybe they don't have a home like yours, but you can welcome them over for dinner. And maybe it's a college-age person. All they've been eating is ramen for 17 months. You're going to give them real food. That's awesome. That's spiritual. Sometimes we, we negate how spiritual eating together is. I think it's really why the enemy is trying to attack the family and get you to all look at your phones while you're eating because there's something supernatural that happens when you gather around a dinner table. Think about it. The Last Supper, they were just having, having food together. That's something supernatural. This is not my point, but it's a good point. <laughs> what do you have, you know? Maybe God's positioned you in your company so that you can bring fruitfulness and not just more money. Maybe, maybe, maybe he's given you a sharp mind, a problem-solving mind. Maybe he's given you ambition and entrepreneurship. And not so that you'll just in name only say, when I get rich, I'm going to give a lot of money. No, no, but you're a problem-solver. Come on, that, that you're going to help even all, every step along the way. Whether you become rich or not, I've got a sharp mind. I can help lead. I can join the A-team. I can lead people. I can teach kids in the classroom. I, I can be a part of this movement because he's given me a sharp mind. 
And maybe you say, I don't really have a sharp mind, but you have hands and feet. Can you just serve? I can hand out bags of food. God says, I'm good with that. Now be faithful in that. Be faithful in few. And I'll add the right weight and the right amount at the right time. That's that's so amazing. I I heard of uh, of one pastor that was preaching a sermon on this subject. And and, uh, uh, a a little old lady who was primarily like pretty much a shut-in. She went nowhere but home and church came up to him and said, I don't know what I, what I could do. I have a home knitting business. I'm at the end of my life, and, and I don't really have family. I only come from here to church and back home, and that's it. And the pastor asked him, well, pastor, well, do you have people that come to your home? Do you have a milkman and the Amazon delivery guy and mail? And she says, yeah, actually, all week people are coming to my house, and, and I've got different even clients that come and, and take what I'm knitting and all of that. And the pastor said, well, just start with that. She began to evangelize, and within one year, she had led 50 different people to Christ just from her home. Come on, what do you have? Be faithful, and God will make you fruitful. You know, some of you have a lot of unsaved friends, a lot of people that don't know Jesus. And I tell you, that might be a gift, that you got a lot of people in your life that need to know Jesus. They walk in the lobby, and you're like, what are you doing here? I've known you for 20 years. That's a gift. That's a gift from God. He's put you around a lot of unsaved people so that your life could shine, your words could shine. Because, all right, I'm way over my time. But I just think sometimes Christians want to escape from the place God put them. Think about it. Oh, man, I, no, if I just worked at the church, like, you don't need to work at the church. You need to bring the church into your work. Be the church. God wants to make you stronger. Well, I can't be around these people. They say bad words, and God says, say better words. Show them what faith looks like. Well, they have such bad attitudes. And God's like, you do too. (laughs) Show them what faith looks like. Show them what hope looks like. Show them what love looks like. You don't have to be one of those people wearing the, you know, the the sandwich board that says John 3.16, you're all going to hell. You don't have to be that guy. Please don't be that guy. You just need to be someone that's fruitful. Your marriage becomes fruitful. Your relationships are fruitful. Your kids aren't perfect, but they're coming along. People say, like, something's up with your two-year-old. I mean, he's crazy, but not the usual. Say, it's Jesus. It's all God. I just believe that we're perfectly placed to produce good works that point to Jesus Christ. We're perfectly placed by God to produce good works that point to Jesus Christ. I think that's what fruitfulness looks like. If the fruit doesn't point to Jesus, it's not worthy. If the fruit won't last forever, in other words, if it's not eternal fruit, it's unworthy. But anything that comes from your connection to Jesus Christ, that's fruit that matters, fruit that will change, and fruit that remains. Thanks for listening to the Awakening Podcast. We hope this message has encouraged you. If you want to learn more about our church, visit us online at awakening.global. We'll see you soon.